and welcome to a slightly different episode of the Brunton Bugle ahead of this weekend's game against Sutton United. Um, because I'm away on holiday this week, we're not going to have a chance to record a proper episode. So what we've done is we've had an extra long chat with a Sutton United fan. It's Dan, who uh, runs the Gandemonium blog. He's also on social media at Gandemonium. Uh, it's about 45 minutes long, the chat we had with him. It's really, really good chat. He tells us all about Sutton United and where they've come from and how they've managed to get themselves in the league. A little bit of the story about the, the 3G pitch as well and that being removed and some of the ex-Carlisle players there. Uh, and on top of that, he gives a little bit of guide of things you can do on the match day in terms of where you can go before the game for all the Kai United fans going. So that'll come shortly. But first of all, we're going to review the Scunthorpe United game that me and Dan both sat in my car now because he's coming down to Liverpool tonight. We, uh, we've both just been to. So we're both going to review it now, Dan. Um, got out of jail there, didn't we? 2-2 two, two draw. Big time. Absolutely, we didn't start playing until 75 minutes. I, mean, I was just saying when we were walking up to the car, uh, my mate Andy always says to me around 75 minutes, who do you reckon for man of the match today? And we both said, well, Gibson's had a go, hasn't he? Because yeah, there, there wasn't many of them, was there? And uh, two minutes later, he scores, and then uh, obviously he puts a, a cracking cross in for Dickinson's header, but uh, we've got away with one there against a poor team. They're not a good size gun for about there. I mean, they took the lead after three minutes. The goal was an absolute shambles, wasn't it, that first goal? The the goal, Norman made a good save off the initial attempt, but the follow-ups, why are we just put it out for another corner, a, a, a throw-in, you know? Isn't that half the, half the problem, though? He's not commanding his area in those situations? Possibly, possibly. Uh, he doesn't instil confidence, no. and speaking to folk around me today, they're all of sort of a similar opinion, so... Would it be harsh if he got dropped? Mm, Undecided, but Jensen must be watching, thinking, I can do better than this. Another issue again with him kicking out from the back under pressure as well. I mean, we really don't want to bang on about it because Paul Farman's gone, but we do really miss the ability to play the ball back to a keeper under pressure who can kick it long and you know it's going in the opposition half every time, don't we? Yeah, we were saying about that, that, that comes down to the experience as well, you know. Both Norman and Jensen, they haven't got, they haven't got much experience, and uh, you know we've we've got a young goalkeeping coach as well, so it's probably a department. And I know David Holdsworth says we've got the best two young keepers in the country in uh, Breeze and Simons, but at first team level, we're probably undercooked in that that position for me. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I mean they took the lead early on, and the performance after that just. We never got a grip of the game. I think we had the first shot we had was on, was it 26 minutes? And Gibson hit it straight at the keeper. Not a too bad of effort, but he was the only one who looked live. And the rest of the team just didn't look at it. And Joe Riley's come off. Not 100% whether he's injured or not. It's, it's very hard to tell, but he 
he didn't look happy, did he? He didn't. I mean, he didn't have a great game. It's probably the first time this season you can say actually Riley's had a poor game. He's been brilliant for most of the games. The, the ironic thing is, he had a poor game, but he was one of the better ones, yeah. if, if that's possible. I think he, he wanted to keep Mellish on for his presence of yeah. bustling about. And, and to be fair, Mellish didn't have the worst game in the world. He, I mean, look, he's John Mellish. He's going to have his moments where he's not at his best, isn't he? And he's, he's struggling to pass the ball a bit. But his nuisance element did come in handy the second half. And I think actually him and Dickinson, we'll touch on him coming on in a minute. They linked up quite well second half, actually. Mellish was winning a lot in the air and Dickinson was picking up the pieces, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, like I say, second half... It was only sort of the last 15, 20 that we, we actually started using the ball well. Uh, whether that was a bit of uh, be a lesson for Scunthorpe, certainly, mm. because 2 0 up away from home, 15 minutes ago, you shouldn't be losing. Definitely not. There, there, was, there was dreams of a Jeff Forpe esque comeback from 94 <laughs> at one point, but no, uh, we've, like we said, we've got out of jail. Two, two decent goals, I thought. Yeah, you know, and Gibson, Gibson will be, he'll be buzzing because he, by far, man of the match. You know, he's scored, he's made one, and like I said, Dickinson, I thought Dickinson played quite well when he came on, yeah. and also a little word for I thought Brad Young looked quite lively, lively. very I mean, lively. He didn't have much of the ball, but he was getting stuck in, and there's no fear in 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 him, so he just he'll he'll battle. You know, I mean that's the difference between him and Abrams. When Young came on, he was tough, knew he was in a game, and, and yeah, the other yeah. big lad at the back for them. I mean, the, the, both their centre backs must be six foot five. They're big fellas, right? And Abraham's, he's not the best in the air, and we were launching it up to him every time. And I, I do feel a bit sorry for him, but at the same time, there's a couple of occasions where I'm thinking, you've got to show more desire to get in front of the centre back there. You've, there's a couple of times he, he could have easily got past him, and yet he isn't the quickest Abraham's. I know that. We've all seen that so far. And he's a tidy footballer. He's not going to win much in the air. But then there was other times where. He could get the wrong side of the defender there and probably win a free kick or something like that at the very least. The kind of thing Coyote did for fun last season, basically. That's that's where there's a definite difference, isn't there, I think? And I, I I, did, I, just just on Abraham there, I did, there was a couple of times where he did manage to take the ball yeah. down and he turns and there's no one in 30, no, no, 40 no. yards of him. 100%, you know? 100% agree with you on that. And you're like, well, what, what's a lad got to do? You know, he can't just keep hold of it forever yeah. because they'll surround him and take it off him, but... I mean, before we get on to the second half, we've got to note this, that Scunthorpe targeted our left side, didn't they? There's no doubt about that. Not much of their attack came down the right. We know Mellet so far looks reliable and solid. He's going to be a good player for us. Jack Army, he's a young lad, and we did touch on it, me and Mike, in the podcast episode last week. He's still young, he's still learning, and he's getting targeted a bit now. And I, you do wonder. I think it didn't help that Clough started on the left yeah, as well yeah, because yeah, right, Clough right, yeah. hasn't got... He's not going to track back. Yeah. You know, he's he's not that sort of player. If you had Dickinson in front of him, you know Dickinson would get up and down and plus Dickinson's had the experience of playing left back so he knows mm. he knows what it's about. But no, that, that that's a credit to Scunthorpe. They've they've done their homework and they've thought if, if Armour's on the left with Clough in front, we're going to have space and they are going to double up on Armour, you know, and... Don't, I don't think Armour was terrible, but he certainly knew he was in a game that first half because, as you say, they, they were coming down his side a lot. Yeah, it, it was it was very much a, a, a tough learning experience for Armour, I think, this weekend. And what he's got to remember, though, is that was up against a not very good team and, and they, they caused problems for him. So 
it's probably a little bit of a wake-up call that actually you're going to have to up your game because, I'll mean, be honest with you, if that's Forest Green, they tear us apart, don't they, with that performance, definitely. Well, to fair, I think Forest Green are going to tear most teams apart, having won 4-0 four, four at Stevenage this afternoon. But, yeah. Yeah, but no, uh, you know, Armour will, will put that one down to experience and, yeah. uh, you know, he'll, hopefully he'll put a shift in next week. So let's move on to the second half then. Fans weren't very happy at half-time, a lot of boos and... They couldn't really grumble about that. They, they were they were poor. The keeper only had one save to make. And second half, they looked a little bit more lively, but it wasn't really until the subs were made, was it? That yeah, yeah. The, the, the subs after Dickinson obviously came on in the first towards the end of the first half. That things really started to pick up, didn't they? Yeah, uh, like I said, I've said it a couple of times. Seventy fifth minute seemed to sort of be the key to when we actually started playing. And you know, I've already said it, but Scun- Scunthorpe will be. They'll be getting bollocked in their dressing room. They right looked now. a bit knackered though, didn't they? Because they, they yeah, pressed yeah. us quite well yeah. in the first half. That's the one thing they were actually good at was harassing us and getting at us. And I, I did. I remember I said to John McGee, I stood next to him, and to Greg, I said to them, "They're going to tire towards the end of the game. They're definitely going to tire because they've put a, quite a lot of effort in Scunthorpe. They're not a good team, but they've worked hard." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I was saying lesson learned for our team. It, it's lesson learned for them as well because Huge one. they should be going back back home with three points. But uh, we're not to complain, you know. We've 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 robbed a point. We've uh, I think I've just looked at the table. I think we're thirteenth in the league. Not right, really. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it just sort season. of just sort of ties in with you know what we've done all season so far. So yeah, just yeah, yeah, thirteenth. Yeah, I mean, played eight, scored nine, conceded nine, ten points. Bang average, aren't we? Yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> that's this year. Yeah. So obviously the goal. I mean, it, it, before the goal, actually, obviously Clough is one of the players who came off, wasn't he? In the end, um, you got to say Clough had a really good chance to, to equalize, or no, to get a goal back. And he took one. He got himself a yard to get a shot away in the box, but then for some reason decided I'm going to try and get a bit closer here, and and ended up going down. Debatable whether it was a penalty, but he should be scoring there, shouldn't he? Yeah, I think I think he sort of. He looked a little bit for the penalty, mm. and I noticed he didn't really appeal for it, did he? No. You know, he, uh, you know, I think he, he knew he'd balls up, sort of thing. But I'm, I'm going to be in a little bit defense uh, in his defense club. I, like I said to you uh, when we were in the car park afterwards, there was a couple of times in the second half where he played a couple of balls that were le- what I would call League One balls, where they were just that little bit too cute for our players, but. He needs to, he needs to realise that he's not playing with the standard he's been playing with. Yeah, he needs to readjust his game. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's otherwise he's going to struggle with us. And then other teams won't take him on based on the fact. Oh, he was good at league one level at some point. He'll then be finding himself at national league clubs. He, so he's got to be careful, really, hasn't he? He's got to readjust his game. It's difficult for him though because the start to his season was disrupted, and it, finding his yeah, rhythm yeah, again yeah, is going to be yeah. tough, I think. But. But the goal, yeah, got to say, great finish from Jordan Gibson. Good good bit of um, pressure from Mella to sort of win the ball back on the edge of the box, having lost it. And then just smashed it through defenders' legs and into the bottom corner. Great finish. And then late on, it, it looked like we were labouring and we were never really going to get that chance. Maybe I think Dickinson had a long-range effort with his right foot that deflected just wide. I mean, it's hard to tell from our angle. Was, Dan, was but... it Mellish who had the shot that got the, court from the, got the corner as well? I think, yeah, Mellish yeah, had one 30 had. yards when it took a, a different... No, I think that was actually... I'm sure that was Dickinson that was one. It? I might be wrong, but... And then, obviously, Dickinson had another long-range one where he went close, and the goal, bit of pressure again down the right, and Gibson, long ball to the far post, and 
Got to say, an absolutely terrific header from yeah, Dickinson. Brilliant, brilliant. And good, good deep cross. I, th- I think what Gibson was thinking was whoever gets there will put it back across for, you know, the, the Russia yeah. people to go at. But fair play, what, what well, a header. He hits it back across goal and into the ground and give, doesn't really give the keeper much chance, does he? It's no, no. Really good play. And that's the Dickens we want to see, isn't it? Yeah, we want to see yeah, who's going to be yeah. a bit of a goal for it and get yeah. forward and... I, I, one, yeah. th- one thing we haven't really we, we seem to sort of go four four two after the subs didn't yeah. we and it was very back to basics but once we got used to playing like that that's when we started playing well you know yeah. and a- Alessandra made a difference and then we've had a feeling that he's probably going to be more of a player coming off the bench a lot this season but I mean I, I've said I'm a bit frustrated by the fact that he's, he's slowing the game down a bit too much at times and he's keeping the ball a bit too long but actually that was perfect today because we were panicking too much we were, give, we were basically trying to play quick passes far too much instead of just saying let's just keep hold of the ball for a minute calm it down and build attacks and that's what Alessandro did and he linked pretty well with Young and I have a feeling that they might work quite well together and I think that team that finished the game is probably the team that should start against Sutton the only one I'd have a debate about is the keeper and I think you think we'd probably stick with him for now but I, I do wonder about that uh, I think the two decisions you would have to make would be, as you say, a keeper, but I think he'd be he'd be harsh on Norman. Mm. And the other one is, who who starts as the the two or the one and one up front? You know, I'm, I'm, he's a creature of habit, Chris Beach, so it wouldn't be a surprise if he started with Clough and Abrahams, and then brought Alexandra and Young on. But, but if he does if he does that again for another game, your first thing you say is. He's making mistakes and he's got to stop making yeah, that mistake. Yeah, he's, yeah. Got to, he's got he to get to his style level right. Point, and doesn't he? Yeah. Like I said, it looked like Riley was a bit of the sacrificial lamb and it, uh, you understand why you want to keep Mellish on because he's got a goal for it and he's, yeah. he, he's got the height as well. But yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a challenging one, isn't it? I think Sutton, it's... Um, I don't know how they got on today, Dan. Did they do all right again or are they... Uh, Sutton, let me just... When uh, it comes up... Uh, where's the results? <laughs> Sutton got beat 2-0 at Exeter. I mean, that's a tough one for them, to be yeah, fair. It's not an yeah. easy one, but it's one way we've got to look at it. So, right, let's build on this point. Let's get a win. Yeah, they're, they're up to 18th in the league, but they've played a game less. Yeah, they've obviously had the COVID issues, yeah. haven't they? So, yeah, so, yeah it's uh, going to be a tough one next week. It, it's one of those ones, I think, I hope Beach doesn't come out and sort of bang on about the time-wasting at Scunthorpe, because there was a lot of time-wasting, but they're a struggling team, of course. They're going to do that. up away from home, of course. Yeah, you're going to try and time-waste. I, mean, I would hope we would. Yeah, if we were in their situation, yeah. of course you'd hope yeah. we would. And I don't want him to be bagging on that. And I want him to actually, just for once, just put your hands up and say, got it wrong. I take the blame for that. Players responded well by digging in and getting a result in the end, even though they didn't play well. We've got to be better, though. That's what we want to hear, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No doubt about that. Well, I think that sums up the match review, Dan. Um, a good point in the sense of you're happy with that result after playing so badly. Performance-wise, got to be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, we should be winning games like that, but from 2-0 down at half-time, we'll take the point. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go for a short break now, and then after the break, we're going to be hearing from Dan from Gandemonium about all things Sutton United. We'll be back in just a sec. Today we're doing a slightly special, longer sort of chat with an opposition, sort of podcast actually, it's a blog, it's the Gandemonium blog um, from Sutton United. 
uh, in their first season in the FL. And Dan has kindly given up a bit of time to speak to us today. Dan, thanks very much for giving up your much-needed time, I'm, I'm sure. Um, Not a problem. Let's get straight into it then. So this is the first time we've ever played you, Sutton United. Mm-hmm. We've never even played you in an FA Cup game or anything nope. like that. And obviously our one season in the conference, I think you might have even been at Ifsme and Lee level by that point, possibly 2004, yeah, yeah. 2005, yeah. I think, around about. Yeah, we were, we were, oh God, that was probably, yeah, that would have been first the first season of the new conference south. So we're technically a conference side, but we were still the division below. Oh, well, there you go. Um, so yeah, uh, a lot of our fans probably won't know a huge amount about Sutton United outside of your famous FA Cup wins over Coventry City and Leeds United. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a bit about the club, sort of generally. Um, where to start, really? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's basically a yeah. We're one hundred twenty three years old, formed in eighteen ninety eight, um, and yeah, we've been a non league side that kind of a not amateur first an amateur side, um, and then a, a, a semi pro team for basically all that time, um, and we've you know we've we've been one one of those non league sides that's been moderately successful. Mm. You know, one of those names that if you when you bump into people around, barring the Coventry stuff and all the FA Cup things, you, you tended to find people kind of knew the name. Yeah. So you know, we're always always around, but you know, we weren't like an old Enfield or a, a Wealdstone that were or sort of awoking in the nineties, like really pushing at the top end of the conference, yeah. driving to be a football league side. We've that's never really been our style. We've never the clubs always wanted to just be at the top end of the the non-league game it's always accepted at you know what it was and what it could do um until last year and things went a bit weird <laughs> yeah i mean it's like it's incredible isn't it because i mean as you mentioned there you've been in existence for 123 years and mm. you you've never really been a club that's been challenging for promotion to the league i mean third place mm. finished three seasons ago was your best ever finish yeah. wasn't it i think absolutely yeah. i mean to get promoted to the efl for the first time it, it must have been an incredible feeling last season for you as a fan. Um, yeah, it was. It's a bit weird in the. I, I mean, I've been watching Sutton since. Uh, for God, it must be coming up to nearly forty years now. Mm. 30, good thirty odd years, and um, yeah, we, it, if you'd have told me as a kid or even a decade ago this will be a football league club by twenty twenty one, I'd have laughed in your face. <laughs> um, just because that's never been what the club's been about. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's. Um, it was weird as well with all the COVID stuff going on. I mean, we literally got into three uh, three games we were allowed into last year. There was two around just the start of December where they did all that tier three stuff. London yeah, we, got lumped into into tier two. Yeah, we were lucky. We got that tier two in Carlisle. Well. So we got five games last season, thankfully. Yeah, we we, we 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 got two games like a, on the Saturday and the and the, and the Tuesday, and then. London tumbled back into tier three. <laughs> so that was it. The shutters came down again. Um, and yeah, the next game we got to do was the l- last home game of the season against Hartlepool. That's so not a bad one to finish on, is it really? <laughs> no, exactly. It was, it, it was a, it was a good day to be back in, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was typical us to, to go 123 years and then go and have our most legendary season ever in the inter. It, it will never be topped. Um, mm. And of course, there's a global bloody pandemic on, and no sod can watch any games oh, other than so on laptops. So frustrating, isn't it? It yeah. was, it was, it was odd. I mean, it was, it, it was just everyone was engaged and you know really excited about it, but it was also a little bit difficult to kind of 
feel involved in it at times. Yeah. You know, because you couldn't even you couldn't even hang out with your mates and watch it. Yeah, we we found that on last telly. Season. Yeah, that's that that was a thing. Miss, it just you, you 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 weren't with the people that you would normally be with. That you know, seeing your team successful is cool and it's it's mm. brilliant and that's what you live for watching football teams. But also, if you're not with your mates or the people that you see every week, it does it takes a little bit away from it. So, so yeah, it's it's it was it was a wonderful moment beating Hartlepool to win the league, but it was also a little bit bittersweet because mm. you know. All those trips, all those away games that we'd put massive shifts in and won away at places like Stockport and Chesterfield midweek, um, stuff like that, we we weren't there for. We didn't get to see and enjoy. So, yeah, it was odd. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, because it's not just about the destination. It's about the journey, isn't it? It's about mm. the, the moments mm. during the season where you think, you know, you get that scrappy 1-0 win away somewhere and you think, this is going to be our season. We didn't deserve that yeah. at all, but we know mm. we're on on something here. I totally understand what you mean when you're saying from that. It, it, it's quite an incredible rise, though, you've had, isn't it, really, over the last few seasons yeah. when you got back into the conference for the first time in a while. It's Where has it come from? It, it, just, it just seems to have come from nowhere. Um, it's been a while, It's been sort of built up over the last 10, 11 years, probably the last 12 years. Mm. Um, we we went... We It all goes back to, like, 07, 08. We had our worst season probably ever certainly since sort of the 50s mm-hmm. um we were just garbage we, we we were dropped out of conference south we struggled for a few years and it comes back to us again being an, an old non-league club the game had changed and the club as a was a was a bit slow to react to that kind of the changing landscape around us you know we, we weren't able to uh, you know, pay the wages that were being demanded. So we're always missing out on the better players, which always means you're going to end up bottom of the pile. And we had that one season, we won five league games all year and we went down and it just, everyone was kind, I think everybody realised that we need to, it needs to stop now or we're going to keep going because we're in that kind of free fall at the moment. And then we got we got lucky. Uh, Paul Doswell took over as manager Um he kind of, well, Bruce, our chairman, always said that he interviewed us rather than the other way around. Um, and I think he, he'd been managing Eastleigh in the same division. And he saw that, you know, we were there being absolute toilet, but there were still five, six hundred people in the ground every week. Yeah. So he, he saw there was a bit of, you know, there was genuine kind of passion there for the club. It was yeah. just it wasn't going in the right direction. So he took over. He's a he is you know, not in a bad way, he's a very demanding guy. He he gives you everything, you know, that he can. Um and he and he's 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 not a poor man, so he's happy to if the club needs something, he'll chip in and you pay him back. Mm-hmm. So that he demanded, you know, more from the club. And I think that was just kind of the the wake up call, the shake up that the place needed. The club realised that the world had changed, football had changed even at our level. And we had to kind of try and be, a, you know, change our ways to get on board. And then it, yeah, it just kind of lifted, lifted off from there. Um, once we got back into the conference, it was, um, well, the National League as it is now. Uh, yeah, then it was, um, we'd had a, we had a great season, won the Conference South, got, got back up to the National, kept largely the core of that side, which was a very good team, had the cup run, um, We'd been building crowds off the back of cheap season ticket deals and things like that. So mm. the place was just buzzing again. And then 
we obviously by that point had the 3G pitch, which made us a bit more of a focal point locally. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, and it, it, everyone just kind of bought into what we were doing. Everything we did kind of worked and worked for pretty much first time. And so, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of luck involved, but a lot of hard work. Um, and just, yeah, lots of, lots of pieces falling into place on the jigsaw that suddenly, you know, we, th we thought a couple of years ago, when we finished third, we thought that's it. We've, we had our chance. We probably should have beat Max for that league title, but we fell away at the end. Mm -hmm. And we thought, oh, well, you know, that was our chance. Um, and then Max took over and out of nowhere, they, they went on a run last year. Um, I'll, get on, yeah. I'll get on to the point of the, the big money clubs in the conference in a minute because that's something mm. I want to ask you about but I've got to sure. ask you about the the 3G pitches you mentioned there mm. how frustrating was it the fact that you've had to dig that up this season and put a grass pitch back down yeah it's you all you, every, you know we get the thing of like we've, we've complained about it obviously or made the point of look this is we have this facility, it earns the club money, we're generating cash yeah. from our own facilities um, and we're having to sacrifice that to move up into a into a football league that is is full of clubs that are constantly talking about how they're struggling financially. Yeah. So that doesn't to us it doesn't make logical sense. The club have said publicly the same, but they've also said, look, we knew the rules by having that pitch, we, we had to sign guarantees to the National League to say if we were in a position to go up, we'd have to tear it up because obviously it's not in the AFL law, rules. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 it, there's a lot of people people talk about it because oh, it's lost. I mean, we were making about I think it was making about two two hundred fifty grand a year for the club, yeah. um, in just in you know higher fees and stuff like that. But there's also a lot of other losses like. All the local schools used to play their games there. Yeah. Um, all our own kids setups. Um, before the three G pitch went down, the first year they had the the ability to use that for their training, and this is all the the sort of juniors from like under nines, mm -hmm. right the way up to the youths. That saved our kids setup thirty five grand a year, because they were paying that out to train yeah. spread all over Southwest London, and also to play games as well. But um. You know, so we lost, they've lost that. So they've had to find that money to, you know, find somewhere to train. Um, there's the community edge in that, you know, you had the, the women's teams are playing there, all the schools are playing there, the walking football, you had girls football, the juniors, all that was just kind of, a lot of it was sort of pulled away from the club. We have the wreck out the back, which has pitches on it, but they're grass. So yeah. they're out of use for half the, half the winter because they get waterlogged. So it, it's frustrating that we, you know, we, a lot of, uh, a lot of the little sort of the cool little things that we built up and has kind of got us here off the goodwill of a lot of people. We've had to kind of get rid of, I it, mean, it, it does seem kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? When you watch obviously, young boys against Man United the other night in the Champions exactly, League, yeah. <laughs> they're playing on exactly the same type of pitch and you're like, well, why is it good enough for the elite European football competition mm. games? But not for the football league. I mean, I, I, personally, I do yeah. prefer a grass pitch, if I'm honest. But I mean, I, I say that because at Carlisle, we're looking that we've probably got one of the best pitches in the league and a, mm. a brilliant groundsman in David Mitchell. But mm. I totally understand why other clubs look at it and say we need to do it. You, you look at a club like Newport County; you've had absolute nightmares with their pitch for the last yeah, few years, and you exactly. think 
why can't they have a, a 3G pitch there? That would help them. It would help know, clubs as well with games called off. So It's, um, I mean, I, I, I'm old school. I'm nearly 50 now, so I've watched 99% of all my football on grass pitches. Mm. But watching, I've watched probably, it must be close to about 200, 300 games now on the 3G that we had. We had it six, seven years. Um, I didn't really notice much difference. Mm-hmm. The, the only difference you noticed was when it was new, there was a slight odour of rubber in the air um, and it was just weirdly green the whole season round. <laughs> that was about it. So, so yeah, it was... the And, and also, for clubs of our, of, that, of, of our stature and our size, it was, you didn't have games called off. Yeah. You know, um, it, and, and, and again, in, in and, and we weren't saying that, as well from the club's perspective, the club weren't saying that this should be allowed full stop. There's, there has to be an adult conversation about it. Yeah. You know, that's that. I think that's the, what bugged most people, that a lot of the Football League look at it and just go, no. And it's kind of, well, you, as I say, you've got all these clubs who are struggling and are looking to make, you know, rev, new revenue streams and things like that and, and not lose games to weather and all sorts of stuff. And, um, and no one seems prepared to just sit down like adults and discuss, you know, it, even, if we did, even if they'd said to us, okay, you're allowed it for two uh, seasons. No more, yeah. no more than two seasons. Because if you go, te- if we get, if we've torn that up, say we go down, we do go straight back to the national league this mm-hmm. year. We've spent half a million quid on a grass pitch that we've now got to maintain, and we've lost. We'll get one a year and a half, uh, one year of parachute and a half parachute, and after that, we've now got a quarter million hole effectively in our budget. So. So yeah, I mean, if they, like I say, if they can have an adult conversation about it and say, if you're coming up with one of these pitches, if it's a certain standard, so we had the best you could get, the FIFA two star, and you've allowed it for two years, at the end of that second season, it goes. Yeah. Like we get a year's grace um, on two thousand seats. Yeah, and and things Why like. Why can't it be the same? T- teams that go from League One to the Championship have two seasons to make the ground all seater. At the moment, exactly. I'm sure that'll change in the future when safe standing comes in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, full yeah. force, but, but yeah, it, it it does seem a little bit daft, doesn't it? Really, you think? Yeah. I do wonder if there's a bit of a hangover still from some people in the football league of remember the plastic pitches at QPR and Preston and Luton. The, yeah, you know, they the old style ones that aren't the same, basically. Oh God, yeah. The the, the it's it is like you know they're they're prehistoric, and I mean, yeah. and the changes in the technology from when they first kind of started coming into the non-league game to what they are, mm. to even what we had laid was ridiculous. You know, the changes in the technology. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's yeah, there's there's something weird about the surfaces that the league themselves, I don't know, they don't like because there was obviously a lot of conversation about this the last time we were at this end of the, mm. t- at the, end of the National League when we finished third. And there was a vote that they had, um, and it basically was pretty much a deadlocked vote. Most of League Two said yes. A fair few of League One said no. A fair few didn't, because they're looking to be in the Championship. And of course, all the Championship clubs don't care. It's of no yeah. interest to them. So they said no, they don't want that. So you basically had a 50, pretty much a 50-50 split. So that was a no. Then they had another vote, I think it was six or eight months later, and then it was a resounding no. So what it's changed? It's very odd, that, isn't it? Very odd. So yeah, it's, it, there's something. There's it goes a bit. I, th- I think there's a bit more to it, mm. but it's it's something that, like I say, they need to sit down and 
Yeah. Just talk about it like bloody grown-ups. Exactly. exactly. You know, it's... Right, well, let's talk then about, um, briefly before we start talking about your manager and your squad. Um, yeah. How difficult it is to get out of the conference now? I mean, the fact that you guys have <laughs> gone up, everyone looks at it thinking it's a miracle, and everyone now <laughs> looks down from League Two to the, conf- to the National League, and they say, look at the money these clubs are spending. I mean... Mm. Was it quarter of a million pounds Chesterfield played for that lad from Boreham Wood? Um, Stockport yeah. are offering, you know, doubling Paddy Madden's wage from Fleetwood, allegedly. And the mm. one that most people are going to talk about, you know, Hollywood Wrexham. And, you know, everyone yeah. talks about Paul Mullen going there from Cambridge last season. But we lost our mm. vice captain to them as well, Aaron yeah. Hayden, who was a brilliant player for us last season. But basically, he was out of contract then this season. And they offered to more than double his wage. And, even though we offered him a new deal, his agent was like, don't bother. Rex and blow you out of the wall, whatever you do. So we had to take the 200 grand they offered it for him, basically, at that point. It's, what's your thoughts on that? It, it, it does seem, it seems like the financial regulations in the Na- National League are a little bit out of control. I know they're trying to bring some in the next couple of years, aren't they? But mm. it, it does seem like clubs down there just throw money at it, desperate to get out. Do you think maybe... It would change if they gave an extra promotion place, maybe in the national league. Um, honestly, probably not. No, not certainly not in the short term. Uh, reason being is that there's just too many former league clubs yeah. in the national league that aren't getting. They're not. Get, they all come down and they all come down and think they're going to bounce back pretty much straight away. If Fun, not a season. I say, thank the Lord that we managed to do that one season. Yeah, you guys, you guys got out with the playoffs, didn't you? Yes, we did against Stevenage. So, but I mean, in the end, as as a, I can, I can totally understand it as a league club. You know, if you've been a football league member for Mm. your entire history, like something like a Notts County, you know, there they are, one the oldest league club in in the country, and suddenly they're playing in the fifth tier and playing sides, you know, with comparatively. No stature like ours, boring words, you know, your wokings, things it's like that. It's shocked system, isn't it? Yeah. So they take one look at it and go, this ain't ours, we want out. We need to get, we need to get out of here. But, you know, there's what a lot of, and we, we also used to jokingly say it to a lot of the sort of fans we meet from these clubs. It's like, well, lads, the reason you're here is because you were shit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It doesn't matter why you were shit like Orient with bad owners and things like that. It doesn't matter on the pitch, you weren't good enough. That's yeah. why you're here. We're here because we've earned it. That's the difference in attitude. That's why when you go to clubs like us, to bore your Boreham Woods, to, you know, solid holes and places like that, that's why they're, they're outworking you and they're, and they're turning you over. Because you rock up, think, look at the state of this gaff. We're going to win this. We're going to win this. And unfortunately, that's not, no one gives a crap about how old your club is. No. You know, it's like, oh, hi, Notts, your oldest football league club in, in the world. Nice one. Um, sorry about the, the turning you over. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, the, and if anything, that drives clubs like of our size on more. Yeah. We want to beat sides like that. Definitely. And, then, and we found that when we, we went down, we started off the season really well. And then we had a mm. sort of sticky patch and suddenly... You know, we were losing at home to Forest Green, and this is pre, you know, green money. Pre doubt, pre Dalvince, yeah. Yeah, this is like 2004, 2005 area, and we, you know, we were mm. losing at Crawley again, another club that didn't have much money at the time. And, yeah. And you think, and it, I think we we only just 
scrape the draw against Gravesend and Norfleet as well. And you look and you think, God, this is this is a wake up call for us. And we, we went on a brilliant run at the end of the season to get in the playoffs, thankfully, to turn things on. We did have the floods back then as well. But it is a wake up call when you go to places like Tamworth, for instance. I remember going to Tamworth and thinking, yeah. Oh my God, I, I we've got we do have to get out of this league because if yeah. I'm not going to want to come here every season. It's it's, it's those actually, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, the the national league is. I'd say it's probably probably the hardest division in this country. Yeah. Just to get to, because you've only got two two promotion spots. You've now got a lot of former league clubs who desperately want out. Um, you know, I mean, it's not helped by you've got clubs coming out of League Two, but you also have had clubs like Stockport who fell even further, mm. and are, and they're now on the charge back trying to get out. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, there's a proper bum fight. I mean, we, when we were top last year, we were looking at that top seven, and it was us at the top. And then you had behind us, you had Torquay, you had Stockport, you had Chesterfield, you had Wrexham, you had Hartlepool. And you just sit there and laugh because it's like, well, how are we ahead of all of that lot? Yeah. It's... And um, yeah, it's, it's, and that's what, and that's why they, they want to get out. So they start throwing money at it. Um, and sometimes it works, but there's just, unfortunately, there's, Whereas before there used to be one or two sides with serious money and then others who were well funded, yeah. now there's about five with serious money in there, and it's. I mean, if you oh. go back back in the day, don't you? Barnet were the team that always seemed to go up because mm. they, at, at national league level, they were a, a big club. Effectively, they were, they had a bit yeah. of money behind them. Whereas massive, massive now, non-league or amateur old amateur side. Now they're really training. struggling, aren't they? They they, they, yeah. they can't get out. And like you said, the last few seasons, you look at the teams that have they've won it yourselves, Barrow. Macclesfield, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. then like this season, Dagenham are playing. It's 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 yeah. not easy for those teams. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they do. Let's get on to Sutton United then now, um, Dan. Let's talk about your yeah. manager, Mac Ray. Not got mm-hmm. much experience as a player, but seems to have done no. a, a quite incredible job in his short time so far at the club. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he was a bit unlucky as a, he, he, he was. He could have played a good level. He started at Spurs as a youngster. Mm-hmm. Started out with guys like Ledley King and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, he, he, by his own mission, wasn't quite to that standard. But could have had a decent career, but injuries just robbed him. Um, and he was I think he was retired by 28, 29. Um, just his body wouldn't do it. Um, so he moved into coaching. And he's he's come up the, the, the long way around. He's, he's been a number two. I think he was an assistant pretty much the year he retired. So mm. he's been in management since he finished playing and he's kind of just worked his way up slowly and yeah he, he came in as coach on, on the coaching staff when in Paul Doz was last year took the last couple of games when Doz had decided that he wasn't going to be coming back next se- the following season um, and then you know Doz and Paddy the two guys that there they heavily endorsed him for the job to the board a lot of the players liked him they liked the way he trained the way he set things up the way he did stuff so the club, club took a gamble on him as his as his first job, um, and in the end it worked out. <laughs> he had a bit of a rough start, but you know, stuck at it, saw it through, and then completely ignored the instructions to keep us in the division. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his stock must be pretty high now with with the job he's done there. Really, you'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's. I mean, if if, if now we've we've got a couple of wins under our belt. Um, 
we're, we're starting to find our feet a bit more. Um, you know, just that slight adjustment. There's not a massive difference between the levels, but you know, there are little little areas where we needed to sharpen up on, and we're starting to find our feet. So, yeah, I wouldn't be amazed if people start talking about him. Um, you know, in regards to other jobs, if we're nicely mid-table around Christmas, yeah. it's it's you know, it's natural. Um, so your squad, um, I think we sort of touched this before, but you, you seem to have stuck with pretty much the plays who got you into the EFL last season. And we saw with Barrow last year, that was a little bit of a risk for them and it didn't quite work out. Whereas with Harrogate, in comparison, it worked out pretty well for them. They they settled really well in the EFL. Um, you've already signed two players from EFL clubs in the summer though, haven't you? And one of them was already on loan to you last season, wasn't he? The lad from Millwall, mm-hmm. who's, who's a yeah. popular player, isn't he, with you guys? Yeah, Isaac. He's um, he's 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 a proper old school bustling forward. He's quick. He's strong. He's direct, and and that suited a the way we play, and b also perfect for national league level. Because first and foremost, you've got to be big. You've got to be organised. Yeah. You know, you've got to go out there and compete. You can't. You know, no one, no one in that division is going to roll over and die for you. And it's the same in League Two as we're seeing, but. If you can then get teams turning and you've got a little bit of pace going forward in attack, yeah, you can cause sides a lot of problems because teams teams that are big and organised don't like being run out, don't like pace. Mm-hmm. So it so he yeah, he he fitted in because we had him briefly on loan uh, before the season that got terminated because of COVID. Um, he had five, he managed four or five games and one goal, but then the season ended with about 10, 12 to go. So he went back to Millwall. Yeah, and when we got him back from for last season, he was hit the ground running. Mm. He, he banged in fourteen goals and played a huge part in in what we did. Uh, overall, looking at your squad, who would you say the key danger men are? You, you're pretty happy with the squad for this season. Yeah, yeah. the 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 squad we had last year was they. To be fair to Matt, he did say that a lot of the lads there that were the reg, the regulars they deserved the chance. Yeah, um, a lot of them. A lot of them hadn't played. Uh, football league football before some had uh, you got guys like uh, Craig Eastman in the middle of the park um, former Arsenal guy he's played Champions League football for them yeah. he's he's quality he should be playing at least the division above where he is now um, but he's just happy there um, he's he's got tons of experience you've got guys like Dean Bazonis who's been around a bit at that kind of level um, but then you've got youngsters like Louis John, who had a little spell up with Cambridge a year or two back, but never really got a, a run out. Um, ben Goodliffe, the assistant manager's son, he's he's been at National League level for a couple of years after leaving mm-hmm. Wolves, and he's he's getting Football League games now, so it's, it's a yeah, good ha- mix. Yeah, Harry Beaterman as well, he played a lot of Football League yeah. level, hasn't he? I think he's uh, playing mm-hmm. lots of experience uh, playing the Football Yeah, he's League. played League 2, League 1, yeah. Uh, Peterborough, yeah. Northampton... Uh, Stevenage stuff like that yeah. so so yeah there's a good mix there um, and you know we picked up a couple of promising kids like uh, Ricky Corbawa who was um, at Northampton mm. but didn't really get a go um, he's he, he's picked guys like him up but also Cherry picked a couple of uh, half decent younger lads from National League level we've got Joe Kizzy in from Bromley who was every time we played them he was always a solid solid consistent performer good player Um and the young lad in midfield, Ali Smith from Altrincham, uh, who's who's proving to be a he stood in the last couple of games and proving to be a good signing. 
I mean, it makes sense for a club like you, doesn't it, to, to look for players who've done well in the National mm. League because you, you can have the best knowledge of those players, really, aren't you? So, mm. um, Let's talk about your two ex-Carlo players in your squad. Um, one of them fairly well remembered by Carlo fans, one of them less so, I think it's fair to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, start with the one who's less well known. Uh, you mentioned him just there, uh, Dean. Uh, is it Buzanis? Or, I'm never sure how to pronounce it, really, because he never uh, actually played Buz- a first-team game for us. <laughs> so. uh, it's either Buzanis or Buzanis, one of the two. Not I'm right. not sure. Well, let's go with Buzanis. But yeah, Dean Buzanis, um, he was with us, I think, for one season. And I think he, in fact, he might not have even been the full season. He was a backup keeper. Um, seems to have rebuilt his career with you guys, though. Seems to be doing really well there. Yeah, he um, he went back to Oz. Um, I don't know who he played for last over here, but he went back to Oz. Um, and he was playing A-League regularly. Um, but um, he's, uh, I think it's Steph Catley, is his missus. She signed for Arsenal Ladies. Ah, okay. And she's an Aussie international. So they signed her. Um, obviously, full-time football. So she moved to. She was moving to the UK. So Dino wanted um, a reasonable standard to play at himself. Um, and luckily, um, we're you know we're, we're easy. To, we were easy to reach from where he was living. I think they live in St Albans, so it's dead easy to get down to us one train if he wants it. Um, and uh, yeah, the the standard was. He could see that the standard was fairly strong. Um, so yeah, he committed to a one-year deal and largely was, um, I mean, he's one of those keepers that I think a lot of people still watch him and don't know a, a massive amount about how good a keeper he is because last year he had so little to do. You know, we, we the defence in front of him were so solid that, you know, it, I mean, and, it, the, and the problem is for him as well. He made a couple of mistakes for goals, and um, it just made them all the more, all the, look worse for him because <laughs> everyone's like, "Well, you've had nothing to do, Dino." But um, he's he's a solid keeper. He's vocal. Um, the defence trusts him. Um, is he the best keeper we've ever had? Probably not. But he he's he does a job. He's got experience this level. Um, so yeah, he's. He's he does he does it for us. So I wouldn't say he's a, a sort of a cult hero or anything, yeah. but he's there. I've just double checked there. The last club he played for in England was Carl United. <laughs> Funny enough, oh, so go, he left us to go back to Australia. Um, let's talk about Richie Bennett now. Then summer yep. signing for you from. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Stockport wasn't it? Because he was at Stockport. Yes, he then went on loan to Hartlepool, scored five in the three. Yeah. Stockport shit the pants, brought him back from their loan spell, yeah. and uh, he, he ended up having a bit of a stinker for them in the playoffs. Apparently, so it's yeah. Well, he, either, he either missed, either missed a penalty or missed a sitter. I forget what it was. Yeah, but, I think um, it was it, wasn't it? Um, done pretty well for you so far. I think by the looks of things, he's a he's a player for us. We signed him from Barrow and we mm. paid fifty grand for him, and I think things were expected. You know, for him to do well because he'd done so well at Barrow mm-hmm. and he just never ever really settled with us he never really got a run of games in the team but he seems to have done okay for you so far yeah I mean we'd we'd seen him a couple of times last season and he he was never one of those players you looked at and thought well, he's bloody awful um, but when we picked him up you know we knew he had a bit of football league experience about him big lad and to, to be fair to him he's a nice footballer he's I, th- I think I think his size Probably 
gets him um, unfairly labelled a little bit as being a target man, yeah. you know, a big yeah. unit who'll yeah. hustle and bustle right, at the yeah. front. Um, so, I mean, we've got Omar Bugil who does that and just bashes everyone around and he's the guy who goes to war for you. Whereas Richie's he's a big lad, but he's very good on the ground, yeah. um, nice touch, clever player, um, can pick a pass, you know, for his partner up front. We saw it a couple of times in pre-season. Um, so, yeah, he's... I mean, I think the Stevenage game was the first real time we got to see him properly in action. Um, just, just because you know most people couldn't get to friendlies, or because yeah. most of that because we didn't have a home home friendly, all our yeah, friendlies were down in yeah. were down in Farnborough. So, um, so most people hadn't seen him play really. So, but he seems seems a nice lad. I had a chat with him after the game on uh, the Stevenage game on Saturday, and he was really pleased to to have got got the goals and got the wins so he looks to be a decent addition next time you see him have a chat with him and ask him about his elbow because if you look it's at him I think it's, it's elbow I can't remember if it's on his right or his left arm he basically broke his elbow I think when he was a kid and instead of having it properly um, set and put back in or dislocated mm. something like that I think the doctor basically turned and said oh it's fine it'll reset itself and he never did so if you look he's got a little <laughs> bit that sticks out on his elbow genuinely it's, it's, it's an incredible thing and we it, it, Basically, it was noticed when he was playing for us because he was wearing one of those um, Under Armour things. You could see this little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, he's a <laughs> n- nice lad, Richie. I think there's a, there's a brilliant picture yeah, somewhere. Yeah, he's a nice, yeah, nice fella. Yeah, there's a brilliant picture somewhere where he, um, he actually did a um, like one of these school visits or something and there's a picture of him going down a slide with the, the biggest smile on his face you've ever seen in your life. It's a, it's a, it's a thing of art. It's a thing of art. Um, yeah, let, let's talk then about quickly about the the one ex Sutton player, I think he's the one ex Sutton player in the Carlisle squad, uh, Jimmy Torre. Um, mm-hmm. How's he remembered from his time at Sutton? Because he's a bit of an enigma for us. When he, when he's been on his game, he's an absolute joy to watch, and he terrifies defenses. Mm-hmm. When he's not on his game, he, he's a bit of a waste of a shirt. Probably harsh because he does do tracking back and defending, but you're not really getting much benefit from him being in the team. What's your memories of him at Sutton? What you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Sums it up well then, doesn't it, really? Um, yeah, he, he played again. As I remember, we got him from Fylde. Um, he was on. Uh, he was either on trial there or was playing for a contract there. Yeah. And he played against us uh, in a game up there and he caused us all no end of problems. Um, and he, I think he scored one of their goals as well. And just we ended up getting a point, but he, he just ran as ragged all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and Doz, who was in charge at the time, inquired, and it turned out that he wasn't tied down. He was on a game-by-game deal there. So we offered him a deal to the end of the year, and he came in, and you know he did okay. Um, you could see there's definitely a footballer in there. Yeah. He's very skillful. When he when he's when he's on, he's very direct, very quick. He'll you know he'll turn any defence inside out. But he's one of those players, you know on his day and it's like yeah but he doesn't have enough days yeah definitely um, he, he, he did okay for us to start with but then it, it, he got subbed a couple of times ended up on the bench and then before you know it his agents in the manager's ear whinging <laughs> about him being on the bench and yeah when it when Doz left at the end of that season um, he was under contract to us we had the option for the, the, the next year but I don't think Matt fancied him because Matt, Matt's very big on very big on his character yeah. His characters, no, he doesn't want any any egos. He doesn't want any yeah. dickheads in the dressing room. Anyone he thinks is going to be a problem, 
he's not interested. So, and we just said to him that we could retain you and demand a fee, but if someone offers you a deal, off you go. And it, within a week, he'd gone to Hartlepool. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one for us because he, he was out of contract at the end of the season, but we had an option on his contract. Mm. And we took that option. And he's played the sum total of, I think, about nine minutes in the league so far this season. <laughs> and it's one of those ones you look think, why have we bothered? Yeah, There's rumours that the clubs were interested in him on deadline day, but the club mm. was supposedly asking for a fee from those clubs. And you think, why? Let, just let the yeah, lad go and play football if you want him. You know, it just doesn't really make sense, that sort of behaviour, does it? From exactly. Well, well, you know, if you're, if you're not really that interested in using him or he doesn't particularly fit your plans then it's, it's a bit pointless at this level to be paying someone's wages when they're going to be sat on their ass doing nothing. Exactly. You, may, you may as well just... Because that's, that's exactly what it, it was going to be with us. Matt didn't fan, clearly didn't fancy him. Mm. Um, and rather than option it and have whatever his wages were on the bill and he wasn't doing anything to, really for him, uh, it's just, yeah, sorry. Cheers, mate, but yeah, on your way. There you go. Right, so... This weekend's game is going to be uh, the first time that United fans are travelling down to Sutton. Um, so what have our fans got to look forward to at Gander Green Lane this weekend? Any tips or places to visit? I mean, I've seen the pictures. I've seen it obviously on TV. As you'd expect, because of the level you've come from, it's a basic ground, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, the away end is a little on the basic side at the moment. Um, there should have been a new stand-in. Um, I don't know if you saw... In some of the highlights, there's a gap at the far end of the ground mm-hmm. in the corner. There should have been a new stand going, a little seated stand going in there for uh, to get us over the thousand mark. Um, and there's, with all this stuff that's going on at the moment, we can't get the steel. So that's not due till I think either end of this month, middle of October, something like that. Um, so we've got a little temporary thing in the corner which looks really tin pot, which we're all delighted about because we look at that and laugh and think <laughs> non-league the core. Um, but yeah, the, the away ends a bit. It is what it is. It's a couple of turnstiles, some seats. At least it's covered terracing, so at least if it pisses down, you won't get wet. Uh, well, so. I, I, we've got terracing tickets, me and my mates, so we'll be all right. But when I mean, you mentioned temporary yeah. stands there, Gillingham have had a temporary away stand for about 25 years. So don't worry yourselves yeah, about no. that. <laughs> <laughs> the least. But yeah. So, yeah. But, um, I mean, Sutton itself is, uh, I don't know how many, obviously, anyone coming from Carlisle itself, you, the London fans might know it a bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, they might have ground hopped or something. But um, yeah, Sutton's are just a fairly bog-standard, nondescript uh, suburban South London town. Um, typical pedestrianised high street. There's a few boozers on it. Um, if you're coming into the main Sutton station, the old bank next to the station... I think that's uh, where we're going, yeah. ...is half decent. I th- they've told the club that they'll accept, you know, away fans are happy to have them. Um, there's like loads of big screens and stuff on there and they have all the sport in there. So it's pretty, you know pretty good place for your, your average travelling fan want to want to go. Um, O'Neill's is decent on the high street. We've got a weather spoons like pretty much every other town <laughs> on earth. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. The, the walk down to the, the grounds a bit, you know, just through suburban streets, really. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, it's, if it's actually running, the West Sutton Loop, the train round is worth doing because it's like a three-minute train journey over a 15-minute yeah. walk. So... But the last two home games we've had, that's been closed for... As as per every time we have a big... What we can't ask as a big game, so anything like two and a half, three thousand above, that's never worked. It's typical. <laughs> it's always engineering works. 
Well, when we, we went down for our first visit to AFC Wimbledon when they were at uh, Kingstonian a few years ago. Yeah. And there was no trains running to Kingstonian, I think, that day. So mm. we had a mad dash to get a, a taxi back to, I think, possibly Wimbledon Station, it might have even been. Yeah. To get a taxi back up. And we made our train with 30 seconds to spare. And that was the last train <laughs> of the day as well. So that would have been a very if we'd missed that. But, um, but yeah, no, that's, it sounds pretty good. I think uh, our fans are very much looking forward to it. I mean, we love ticking off a new ground. And as fans, oh, we, always, everybody. we always love an away trip. We say this mm. on our podcast all the time. Leighton Orient, one of our favourite away trips of the season, because there's loads of decent boozes nearby, and it's a good, good yeah. little trip down. It's it's one of those games we look forward to. Um, speaking of sort of following your your, your, your club, sort of last sort of general question here, mate. Um, hmm. What's it been like for you following a club in the EFL for the first time? Because it it must be quite a change from going to National League and National um, League South games. In some ways, yeah. Um, in some ways, not. I mean, the 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 going to the stadiums and the, these bigger purpose-built stadiums that have been that way for years, you know. So going to places like Brunton Park and stuff like that, we've we've done a few of those. We've obviously been to Wrexham. We've been to Tranmere. Yeah. Um, we've been to Chesterfield. You know, we've been to Orient twice. So. We've, and being segregated all the time at those bigger grounds and having to buy tickets in advance, we kind of had a little bit of schooling in that. Yeah. But yeah, it's still um, still good fun because you know it's it's you, as I say we we are a lot of the guys I go with have been watching us a long time, um, and you just you go to grounds like that and you know the average is like three to five thousand fans and you look at it and just laugh to yourself and think. You know, how, how have we wound up here? It's just it's just that we're getting to do that pretty much every other week now, as it was to six seven or times six seven times a season in in the national league. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's good fun. It's it's the the routine hasn't changed much. It's just the landscape. There's like twelve new grounds for most of us. Yeah. So yeah, we're loving we're loving all the new ticks and uh, exploring new towns and new pubs and stuff. So. But I bet you're not loving that trip back to, to Barrow again now, though, aren't you? Because <laughs> that is a... It, I mean, that's a bad enough trip going from Carlisle, never mind from... from oh, it's, it's, it's... People talk about that, and it's, you know... We always used to... I think it's a, a joke up there as well that anyone who comes up um, used to make a big deal of it until the locals used to say, oh, what do you want, a fucking medal? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, so that? we... It's at the end of the world's longest cul-de-sac. That's what they say. So there you go. Yeah. So yeah, we've 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 many many times with a couple of times we've been up there in the national league. It's like, you know, oh, you boys have had a long day. Oh, don't worry, I've got I've got a couple of medals, mate. It's um, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting actually to go up there and see how Holker Street's changed a little bit. Um, at least actually the away end will have a roof on it now, so we won't get wet. So that's a bonus. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting for us playing. I think about our first competitive game against them with fans for 48 years or something like that when we play them God. next season I think we played Workington more recently in a competitive game <laughs> than we played against them so we played Workington in the FA Cup in the early 80s so that tells you all you need to know about the the, the difference there so um, so I think that pretty much wraps it up I think we've had a good long chat there um, before we finish we like to do a little prediction mm-hmm. bit in our podcast so um, if you want to share what your prediction is going to be for the game um um, and I'll show you mine as well. Um, I'm just, I haven't actually looked too much at the table and form and stuff. <laughs> um, too much. Uh, 
trying to think. I mean, to be honest, we're trying to. I think we're going to be half decent at home this year, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be upset with a draw. But if we can nick a narrow win, one nil, two one, something like that, I'd I'd be happy. I'm going to go for a two-two draw because we are very hit and miss this season. We're struggling to find our form, and it's going to take us a bit of a while to find our feet. I think, but uh, should be interesting either way. Um, Dan, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate no it. Um, Absolute pleasure. And looking forward to the trip down south uh, at the weekend. Yeah, if you need any pub advice, drop us a line, and uh, we'll let you know where where where's, where to go and what's worthwhile. And people can follow you on social media, can't they? At Gandemonium. Yeah, drop us a line, DM us on there if you want advice. Yeah, it's it's mostly just talking bollocks and <laughs> just plugging our, our crap blog. But yeah. Fitting well with us then. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. So there you have it. That's the chat we had with Dan from the Gandemonium blogger. Really big thank you once again to Dan for giving up his time. It was a real joy to sit and talk with him for best part of 45 minutes about all things Sutton United and uh, I'm sure we're going to have a, a tough test this weekend when we face them. Um, thank you again to everyone for downloading the uh, the podcast. Uh, we always really do appreciate it. Um, as we always say, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's or, you know, um, Acast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere like that, uh, subscribe. And if there's an option to give a review as well on those podcast things, please do that as well. We really do appreciate it. Um, in terms of next week, we'll obviously have a regular podcast out again ahead of the uh, game against Forest Green, I believe it is. So we'll no doubt be talking to our old chums from the uh, Heaven's Devils podcast uh, out in New York. Um, always a good to have a catch up with them. Um, and yeah, you know, you can find us on social media as usual at Brunton Beagle on Twitter. Search for Brunton Beagle on Facebook. We're also on the message board, thecumbians.net, and on the Be Just and Fear Not uh, Facebook group as well. So until next time, thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blues.